0: The the live cold calls you guys do is is like did you have to build yourself up for those or do you just throw yourself into it because watching you guys gives me anxiety doing it it's like even <laughs> in front of an audience is is worse but um, how do you what do you guys feel when you're about to do those.
1: It's, it's a it's a fine line isn't it it's, it's like the same as everything i think like when in the early days of the business it, we were doing it in front of people on a, on a regular basis so i think it's like like anything people get that that fear that rejection i think it, it takes a lot of time and a lot of conversations with yourself to kind of I, was, I think i did a post this morning about like the fear of rejection and it's not it's not something that it will never go away completely like it will always be a bit scary i think rod stewart probably still gets a little bit of anxiety before he goes on stage but it's it's one of those things it will always be there but it's just like right what is, what is the intention here and it's like i know the reward and you know what so, some of my calls what what i found when Zach might chime in on this but what i found when i do live cold calling like a lot of the the skill kind of it goes out the window it, it's, it gets a little bit like grabby like i feel like i just want to be like the intention is not to have the best cold call. I feel like my my mm. ego takes over a little bit, and it's like, right, okay, how do I book a meeting in the quickest time possible? So it's the more I do of them, the 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 more the the, the better I get. But the, the the audience when we do live cold calling and comments on YouTube videos, everyone's so like not forgiving, but just so open to it. It's like, oh, that was really good, or I've learned something new there. So it's 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 less about the desired outcome it's more about the journey which is life i guess is that yeah it is life
0: what about you zach
2: i think the scariest live cold calling that i do is actually when we get a new starter that's gone through an academy with us for two weeks and then i like to show them at the end i'll just ring a random person and show you that this works that's probably the scariest moment of am i able to back it up and do you feel like it's it's a it's a make or break moment that they always remember that like for the rest of the time? Well, Zach did it in one call and got a good response. So those are the scary. In terms of doing it live or in front of an audience or of people we don't work with, that doesn't really bother me
1: at all. It's more when we, when we've done training before and it's like right okay like you go into a company you do some training i don't know your product or service we we work on like maybe a new script or something it's like right let me let me cold call for this and they look at you like there's no way that you could cold call for my product or service you you don't know it you've i've been here four years and i struggle with it and then you're like yeah but are you really focusing on like the problem and the solution Mm. side of things
0: yeah it's uh that's what amazed me as well because you know, i've done loads of sales training i, I I've, I've done a million cold calls in my time different types of jobs i started off in like southern electric telly cells um and oh, it was no. very much like targeting 88 year olds who couldn't quite hear um and then they <laughs> get passed off to like a verification team which the sales team hated because they jammed through a 91 year old um who's, who doesn't even know what broadband is, but we wanted to switch them over to the Southern electric broadband. And then the verification team would be like, sorry, who is this? And they'd be like, no, you've agreed to sign up to this contract. Is that not right? So, but the, the mindset is that, would you say that's the the biggest battle rather than the actual technical execution of a sales call or do you, does it have to be both
1: Zach?
2: You want me to start with that one, do you? <laughs> um, it, it, mindset will get you to the dance, 100%. And really, when we hire our own people and we train people, the biggest obstacle is are you comfortable with rejection and do you get too high of validation? Both are an issue. Like, you think of it as salespeople tend to have these like massive peaks and troughs and they're usually based on emotional attachment to the outcome of the conversation or the sales process. So the ideal mindset, it might sound weird, is not like a super positive mental attitude. It's actually a complete indifference to the whole process. If I get a no, I I expect a no, I'm in sales. If I get a yes, I've done an amount of work that will justify that I get a yes at the end of it. So it's almost like expected based on evidence rather than relying on feeling. And you know, sales isn't like working on a building site or something, or saving people's lives in a heart surgery theatre, it's really what people are feeling when they say, oh, burnt out, is a complete inability to manage emotional state. Too, they've got too emotional about it. They think someone's rejecting them, not the offering. Mm. And they think someone's validating them, not the offering. There's a, you're like putting yourself in the process too much. And when people can remove themselves from that, they tend to have a much, better experience um i don't know if that answers your question
0: no it does it does um i read something i can't remember where i read it but or heard it but they were talking about a referee a football referee and he was saying how referees have to do a similar sort of thing because obviously they get a lot of shit from the players um and they have to learn it's really important they learn that the players aren't angry at them as a person, they're angry at the uniform and they're angry at the decision and the context of the decision. So that's, you know, it's very important in different industries, especially sales. Do you guys think then that there's obviously natural salespeople. And I think that's a very small percentage of people. Do you think anyone can do sales or do you feel like there's just people who just don't have that ability to remove themselves emotionally from the decision no matter how much training they get you know mm, it's that's it's a, interesting
1: that's... go on jack yeah i was well i was gonna say like when you say that, that people are natural sales people what, what do they look like what what's an example of a natural salesperson?
0: so for me um i've met very few very very few and a lot of them don't actually know what they're doing like some of the best sales people i've met they are just very good at naturally structuring things. So I think the probably better way for me to explain it is, is the struggle I had. So for, for many years, I really didn't understand sales and, um, because of the way my brain works, structuring a conversation and leading them through essentially a process and having that all mapped out in my head, and this is before people taught me about sales scripts and stuff. Cause it's just not how I was trained. It was all very much on the fly, um, which is not how I can sell. But I, I mine was also messy. It was all over the place. And, you know, I maybe handle objections too early or I wouldn't qualify properly or whatever. Whereas the people I've met who sort of don't necessarily know what they're doing, but they're doing it very well is they're able to run through a process in their mind. In, in an organized way to a to a conclusion um and get them to that end point or disqualify them and get them out of the process if that makes sense
1: mm. I, I, we could sit here and i could argue i guess that the natural sales people i think that certain people might have um kind of skill set or or different attributes that, that would make up what what a. Uh, uh, a salesperson is for me it's, it's it's what zach was alluding to like it's that predictability it's that art form the best sales people it is that that kind of art but also meets science so it's like that that kind of i know that if i do this this happens and, and you can bring that skill set to the table i think there are certain people that could work in sales and, and have good careers but i feel like that they probably would never get to there are certain people that just shouldn't probably work in sales. Do you know what I mean it's all about them, and that's their personality, or they 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 don't think enough to ask thought-provoking questions. They can't listen, um, those kind of things. And sometimes, and this is gonna sound awful, but sometimes people's voice or their tonality, like what, we've had interviews with people, and you're like, you you're probably maybe an element of sales, you could probably work in an element, but if we're thinking about like, okay, you've got to work your way up through the ranks of prospecting to discovery call and the rest, some people just don't sound the part and that can kind of, and if they cold call, eventually they'll get, I reckon if you just put a monkey in a room and gave him access to AI and got him cold calling for a hundred, a thousand years, eventually they would land on a deal. Eventually something would happen Right. But that's not to say that just because somebody's been working in sales for 10 years, cold calling, eventually luck, luck will play a part of that. For for good salespeople, you want to be like, okay, what is the predictability of I call 20 people? I bring these skills to the table. Eventually, that will lead to this, that they're, they're in my opinion, the best salespeople. Okay. Thoughts, Zach?
2: Yeah, I've not met a natural salesperson ever um certainly not in the style that we do i've met natural like people who say it i'm a natural salesperson what they probably mean is i'm a bit of a a bit of a wheeler dealer charmer gift of the gab type of person that that isn't sales salespeople are more there's a term in um special forces they call it the gray man so, like SAS, they tend to look for someone who's the grey man. He just fits into any audience and doesn't really stand out too much. And he's more of a he's more able to enable the situation in whatever scenario it needs to go. It's like a chameleon almost. So you find like our oh, discovery calls that go really well tend to not really be anything about us. We don't pitch anything. We don't really sell anything. We just almost ask like therapy style questions that get the other person talking. Cold calls, we don't mention our name, don't talk about the product. At the end of the call, you know, it's gone well when they say, you know, what? I don't even know where you're calling from or what your name is. So really, like, if I was to meet someone who was a natural salesperson, I'd probably be thinking, God, I know nothing about that person. All they've done is find out things about me and they've made me feel quite secure and comfortable opening up to them. And I think what most people think is a natural salesperson isn't that it's probably someone you think, God, he would get on a stage and he'd get us all going to war tomorrow. He'd motivate us to go and kick everyone's door down and rob everyone's house in the neighborhood. Um, but in terms of what we actually look for, I've never met anyone who can do that naturally.
0: Okay. Interesting. So I think what would be good is, could you guys just give us a background for for people who just don't know who you are, can you give us a background of, of you guys and obviously you've set up we have a meeting um but what i think would be interesting is to know a little bit around your guys individual sales journeys like how did you learn how to sell um because like i said for me it personally it took me years of of graft and intentional learning um rather than just doing the activity over and over again so i don't know jack do you want to start
1: yeah, so um, I mean, I'll, I'll leave it to Zach to to talk about like why we have a meeting exists because that's Zach kind of the brainwave Zach, Zach created that he is the uh, the father of this baby, and then I've I've come in and raised it with him along the way. Um, but I guess in terms of sales, me and Zach actually we never worked together, but we had our first sales job when we were like 15 16 the same company in our hometown and it was selling advertising space b2b and it was it was one of those jobs you sit down and it's like here's a yellow pages like like start at the beginning or start at the end just call people and do it and i was i was awful like really really bad like and and i have been along the way like a lot of jobs like it'd be it'd be stupid to say here like every job i've had in sales have been amazing i've done i've done well like and i've made money along the way but i've always had other passions and and it's weird it's like i've always been into music and the arts and things like that and sales has been like the side hustle more than the the main dinner um but what i think the skill that i got along the time and i, I didn't really realize at the the time but like a year here doing a sales job a year there like a lot of C stuff like I was selling IVAs at one point. I was like selling life insurance at one point. And that muscle, when you're cold calling people or or even warm calling over and over and over again, it starts to build up and you don't really realize, but it's like, if you go to the gym every single day for 10 years and you just pick up a weight, eventually something will happen. So it's like, that's where Mm -hmm. the, I I didn't think it was deliberate or anything. And I remember when I worked, I worked, read.co.uk the uk's number one job site um 10 years ago and i remember sitting in a room and them training us and they were teaching us sandler and honestly i was 20 something years old and i didn't give a shit I was just like, no, I I know how to sell. I've got the gift of the gab. I'm a natural born salesman. Probably like what what we were alluding to. I I'm all right, and I get on there and I'd I'd lie and I'd I'd, I'd say things like, oh, you've got a four year old. I've got a four year old. I'll blah, blah blah rapport, all of that nonsense. And it was only when Zach told me what, like he was starting to get into this new methodology, and we'd have hour long chats on on the, his way home from work, my way home from work. And when he started to set up the business, it was like, ah, oh, there's a way. There's a new method in town that's actually been around for years and years. And it's one of those things of like, although I've not been applying this method for a decade, I don't have 10 years of experience selling this style. What what we both did is we both put a lot of time and investment into how do I get really good at this really quickly? And I think that that's, that's probably where, um, your best to pick up Zach.
2: Yeah. Uh, Shall so I give you the where, how the business started and why? Is that where we are?
0: Um, yeah, just whatever really. Whatever's interesting.
2: <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know if it's interesting. You can be the judge of that. So basically when the pandemic hit, I was working for a company that was in the event space. So they put on physical events. So you can imagine working in that sort of business in sales was total and mm. came to a halt. And they kind of moved to like a marketing offering. So, what was happening was I had all these clients that had all these leads that were being generated, but what they were saying to me was, I don't really need this. What I need is someone like you, even though there's a pandemic happening, they're working from home could go out and kick doors down and get meetings for us like you did with us. And uh, it just kept coming up as a planting of the seed in my head. And then I was actually listening to a Benjamin Dennehy podcast And he was saying that if you're working from home and you're prospecting of making a business money and they're taking the lion's share, you probably shouldn't be doing that anymore. You should probably go self-employed and just do it for yourself. And it was a weird like marriage of those two things. People saying, I need someone like you to do this for me. like Like a need in the space that was coming up often. And then hearing that from Benjamin and it was connecting those two dots. And then I... Basically, had a chat with Jack that I was thinking of setting it up, and Jack was at a time in his life where he was debating what to do next as well, and we were in a position where I took the plunge a few months earlier, had my fourth child on the way, had a mobile phone and a dodgy laptop to try and make it work and get through gatekeepers and things, and one month's wage and a bit of a dream. And then nine calls in on my first day, a bloke said to me, if you can genuinely do that for me, I will buy that right now. And I thought, you know what, might be onto something here. And away we went, the rest is history.
0: Yeah, Um, I think a lot of people, one of the first questions they ask is, why is it called, we have a meeting?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I was under no illusion that I was gonna have to get through gatekeepers I didn't even know all the tech and databases and stuff that we use now exist. Our guys will complain sometimes, say, oh, this list is just all office numbers. Thank God, I've ne- never had that luxury Was it, when I was an employed salesperson. Always had to go through gatekeepers. And the first conundrum that I thought of was when I'm ringing people, I need to have a name that gets me through gatekeepers. And um, I used to work for a construction tech company and their name was a site, like a site, a construction site. So, that was I always thought it was quite clever, like a way of getting through gatekeepers, where are you calling from? From a site. Oh, right, okay, I'll put you through. So, I thought I was clever, and then when I was thinking of our name for what we do, how could I get through a gatekeeper quickly without them really questioning me? There's no cloak and dagger to it. I was thinking like trying to sound like a law firm, didn't like that, thought what's something that you could say? And it just came to me naturally we have a meeting if i said we have a meeting to someone they would go oh right okay fair enough i won't question that and i'll put you straight through so the sole purpose of the business name is to get past gatekeepers and if you've got a business that sells on email phone that's any cold channel you should think about what your business is called because no one wants to read an email from printersaregreat.com
0: <laughs> yeah that's interesting us. It's really clever actually because I don't think a lot of people consider that they sort of do the name for something that maybe sounds snazzy but mm. yours is actually yours is your business name but it's functional in your in your job you do as well right so yeah. yeah that's that's really interesting so you talk about gatekeepers there I'm sure like this is probably one of the number one questions you get and you might be sick of answering it but for sales beginners who are like you know I don't know in their first year really struggling. And, you know, for the people you train as well. What advice do you give to people to get past gatekeepers? How, how do you do that?
2: There's probably two components to it. Um, one that I don't know if you would call it a skill, but the, the tone of who you're selling to, who you're trying to get hold of, what do they sound like? So let's say you're getting hold of someone that's like a C-suite person. What do they sound like? If you're trying to get hold of a marketing director that, who's probably more chatty and agreeable and nice and goes to events and stuff, what do they sound like? If you sound kind of meek and mild and like you don't belong, human beings have a great authenticity detector and they will sniff you out on that call quickly. So, if you're trying to get hold of a CEO, what does a CEO sound like when they speak to someone? So, when I pick up the phone, how do I actually sound is the first component. So, i bring up, um, I'm trying to get hold of uh, Jack, please, please, would you be able to put me through? that's very different than if i rang up and said jack's not in is he great yeah if you put me through that'd be great Like, there's a there's a real tone that needs to be there first and i've had arguments for people saying this isn't that important but i promise you there's a massive difference when you make those little adjustments micro adjustments to your tone with who your icp is they make a, a massive difference and then jack i don't know if you want to do the actual words where you maybe go back and forth on this
1: well it, it's less is more isn't it, 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 it your job is Think of it like when you call up a a lovely receptionist, you've got a little taser and you've kind of got to stun them and they're going to throw so many different questions at you. Who are you? Where are you calling from? What's it about? Your, your job is less is more. So you'd call, you call up and you'd say Zach's not in today. And they go, uh, who's calling? Oh, can can you tell him it's Jack? Thank you. Less is more short, sharp. You are never being rude. Okay, but if you go down the line of, well, I'm calling from printers are bloody um, we're, we're trying to sell a print, it, it just screams like this is a sales call. And your, and your job is, and the, the, more, the more kind of, the more you do to get past the gatekeeper, eventually when you get through to someone, it is a sales call. I've, I've battled mighty gatekeepers in the past. Then when you get through, you go, yeah, I thought it was a sales call, so I'm just gonna hang up, bang. And then and then it's over and there's there's not much that you can do in that moment. But there, there isn't anything that will work 100% of the time, but you've really got to think. And I think where a lot of salespeople kind of go wrong is they don't bring that, and this is probably where my drama degree comes in handy, but that, that theatrical creative element, like we're all different people. The, the person you are when you're with your parents, to your partner, to your friends, to your boss, we're all different people. So why would you not be, a different element that you bring to the table when, when you're calling somebody. So mm. that, that's the thing, so you've got to bring that. Well, right now, if I'm gonna call and I'm trying to speak to CEOs, well, I'm, I'm gonna be the CEO. Jack's not in today, is he? It's
2: a great point, Matt. and the, the creative element of we've got a client who they, they deal with like smaller mm-hmm. trades companies, maybe 10 people max. So they're probably all sat in the office together. So, if I ring up and I'm trying to get hold of the boss, what language do I use if I'm in that industry? When the gatekeeper picks up, I say, Is the boss in? He's the chief there. Is he right. in? And then they go, Oh, what, Brian? Yeah, 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 hold on. Who is it? Oh, it's Zach. So, okay, right, I'll, I'll put you through. So, there's an element mm-hmm. of what do interactions sound like in that business as well. And there's even stuff like if you're ringing big companies, so you're ringing big, big companies and you're trying to get hold of someone, picking a Random um, when it's like option, pick a random option. Option four for accounts or something. When you get one, to an answers. Oh, that's not Brian Smith, is it? I've got the. Oh no, Brian Smith. He works in. Well, I don't know what I've done here. How would I? Uh, oh God, I was supposed to speak. How would I get hold of him? Oh, I'll just put you through. Because a gatekeeper's job is designed to stop that interaction, and really question it. So if you've got another option of someone who doesn't get a lot of calls in the big blue chip companies. And you call them up, you're confused, I've made a mistake. Most people are inclined to want to help you and put you through. It's a bit sneaky. Not everyone will like that, but it does work.
0: Yeah, but that's the game, right? So I, I see a lot of, um, I think I've seen you guys comment on it. it's probably more so Jack, but uh, I've seen there's different sales voices with completely different approaches, isn't there? And a lot of them say you should build relationships over time with gatekeepers. What do you guys think of that?
1: It's one hundred percent correct. No, it's it's. <laughs> I, I I don't get it. Like it's it's bizarre. It's balmy. Like what what is? Okay, well, let's break it down. And and to the people that say that, well, what is a salesperson's job? Is to qualify the right person or disqualify the the wrong person? It's like if you're just building a relationship, it's it's just it's a nice it's a nice fairy tale and it's a nice story and it's a nice narrative that we that we tell ourselves that that could work That one day somebody out the kindness of their heart is eventually going to feel sorry and what probably has happened david is somebody's made friends with all these gatekeepers and there has been one that said you know what you're such a lovely guy i'm going to put you through to the ceo he's bought the biggest most fantastic printer in the world and somebody said well look i but i do i doubt that it works no, like, and this is the thing when with, with any kind of sales methodology, people are saying, well, no, this works over this. And it's like, well, no, I, I bet it all works, right? But, but what you're trying to do is ha- have an effective use of your time, okay? So I'm a busy salesperson. I want to speak to busy people that might have the problems I solve. If you're spending five minutes talking to Sinead on front desk about what little Archie's up to at the weekend, well, w- w- is that a good use of your time? Well, probably not. So it's like, right, what can I actually do in my time? That's gonna give me the most and the, 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 the maximum return. It's like, when, when you, when you think about Olympic runners, that they're, they're like seconds in it. Oh, I I was the champion because I beat you by 0.02 seconds. So what are you doing against other people to get that edge when it comes to time? If you're spending five minutes speaking to Sinead, then you're wasting your time. Do you know what I
0: mean? Yeah. Yeah sales is fascinating isn't it really because people look at it like people who don't know how to sell have never been in sales they think it's just grunt work you pick up the phone you annoy people until they buy from you essentially right um but what i find fascinating about it 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 is like the art of human communication isn't it and for me anyway i don't know about you guys but the longer i not so much the longer i was in sales but the more i learned about selling it actually helped me like outside of my job as well like just communicating mm. with people and you know handling objections you know if, if my fiance wants to go to a restaurant and i want to go to a different restaurant i think it helps you sort of like structure conversation as well um and it is fascinating because you only have to look at how many sales books there are out there and how many different methodologies and you know you've, for every jordan belfort you've got a grant cardone or a benjamin denner here you know or you guys so and a lot of them a lot of them are expert or claiming to be experts and then arguing with the other experts so i think someone coming into sales cold like first job it can be quite difficult to know what to believe don't you think
1: mm. there's always experts though and and i would i would play that if, if we're being honest like you could say like is cold emailing a good thing well yeah probably you probably do get like if, if Lavender, for example, that the the company that sells like an AI tool for cold emailing, does it work? Yeah, is it really good? Probably. Do I argue with him on his posts about cold emailing being a waste of time? Yeah, because it's it's engagement as well. And we know that we know that those kind of things like it it is it, a marketing tool, but it's it's one of the things. Where where do you start? There are a lot of gurus out there that are trying to get quick wins, and it. and it's about finding a style that works for you. Some people. Andy Elliott. I can't imagine Zach taking his top off for, for a buzz meeting and start getting people ramped up like, like, like that. What's car this? Sales I've not and, seen
0: this guy. He's
2: a car sales guy who says that he put Grant Cardone out of business. He doesn't work in the industry anymore because of him. But <laughs> it's one of those ones where as soon as you watch it, all your recommendations will be Andy <laughs> Elliott. Very American guy calling everyone a loser. Right. Saying, yeah. So I, I don't know. I tell you, I tell you at your your own peril if you watch those videos you will only see those videos so be careful
0: right okay i've got a guy in um, in the recruitment world that i can't get away from in on youtube i won't say his name but um i watched one video because uh i think it was sent to me and it, google youtube I, I literally i can't escape the guy i've <laughs> even done the little arrow not interested report <laughs> this ad leave me alone and they won't leave me alone but um I suppose he spent a lot of money on, on advertising, um, but going back to like, cause again, this is something that me and Jack spoke about quite recently, but with regards to calling people up, not knowing anything about them. Mm-hmm. Right. So I was always taught to do research because if they ask you, you know, you get the odd person that's like, you know, what do you know about us? Right. Mm. And this, and this is, this is why I was so taken back, but super curious around why maybe you don't do that. And other other people don't do that, but then how would you actually, if you're called out on it, say someone says to you, you know, have you even looked at our website, whatever, because you're asking Mm -hmm. questions that might be available on their website, how, why do you guys do it? Is it purely time efficiency or is there other reasons and how would you actually handle that, like pushback from, from the prospect?
2: um it's creepy I think I really really yeah. hate it when I'm on a sales call and they like have their like faux research that they've done it does I don't like it, it makes me it doesn't make me feel like any close to them I think it's creepy and they're trying to connect dots make assumptions we've been on discovery calls before and I will call people out on it like the the, the, the dots that you've connected based on your research are all assumptive and it's just not and we might have Grown up in the same area, going to the same school—I don't really care. I'm—I'm like anti-relationship building. Does not work for me. And if you're dealing with someone who like needs you to have done research before you call them, they've got a complete ego complex, and you probably don't want to work with them anyway. Um, Now, if I get the, the way our formula is styled, is if I'm ringing an ICP on behalf of a customer, I would think of statistically, these three problems need to exist to make this a worthwhile conversation. And then I make it all about you. So there's nothing that I can say, like, oh, the answer's on this website, because I'm actually asking you quite personal, therapized mm. questions about a problem, rather than, it might work if I was looking to, like, shoehorn some features into what you do. But I'm not looking to do that. I'm looking to get mm. very personal about problems that you face. If I got called out on it, what's an example of me getting called out on it? What would someone say?
0: Well, I'll give you an example what happened to me, right? So yeah. I was um, I was like, fuck it. I'll give it a go. I'll, I just won't do any research. I'm just going to go in blind mm. and I won't lie to you. I was shit myself. Cause <laughs> right. I was like, I was, I felt so anxious. Like, and I was like, please don't ask me, please don't ask me. Cause I had it to, to be fair. Right. As well, just to go off on a little tangent. I've only ever had someone ask me, like, do you know what we do? Have you looked on our website? That sort of stuff. I've ever had it a couple a few times and they were just doing it to be dicks. They were never going to work for me anyway. Yeah, um, I think I only had it once where he, he really grilled me. But I think that was more to do with the information on the database being wrong. I think their company name was actually wrong on the database or something. So it was completely wrong. But um, so what, what did the guy say? He basically I basically just asked him a question about, you know, the services that he, he provides. And, um, is in recruitment as well, to give you some context. And he was like, well, this is all on our website. Have you not looked at our website? I bet you're looking at it now, aren't you in a rush sort of thing. And, um, I definitely messed it up. So I, I, my response was, um, I, I taken a very quick glance to the point where I just knew that they recruited into the, the fast moving consumer goods, um, industry. That's all I knew, hmm. um. And then he got a bit arsey about that, essentially saying, "Well, you should have done research." I think he, the exact words he used were, "I would have respected you more if you actually did some research into our business." So, I don't know how how would you have dealt with that, and or do you think he was just being a dick? Um, how was the conversation going before that happened? It was very early on, so it was literally like, um, "You know, can I grab thirty seconds?" and it was like my first or second question it was like um, what I asked why I asked recruitment directors okay so what I asked recruitment directors is uh, a hypothetical which is you know if a prospect asked you um, what can you offer what can you offer us apart from good CVs with the context of winning retained work mm-hmm. um, what would you say to that you know what, what's your actual tangible services that you offer apart from bog standard recruitment and 99 percent of the time it works. I think this is the first guy that kicked off me about it. Um, because I'm usually asking it on, like, meetings anyway, rather than cold calls. But um, it was very early on. It was, like, the first or second question. Okay.
2: Um, it sort of depends on when it comes up. It, it, if someone said it to me and they've just jumped on a call they don't know much about, us and it's like a discovery call let's give you that example if someone says i don't know how much research you know how much you know about us i always respond and say imagine i know nothing mm. and then they go right okay well I'll start from the top if i'm on a cold call and it's like oh someone's calling me out here that they've have i done any research say y- you know what i think if i'd opened your website and read a few bits on your website i don't think that's going to tell me the full story of everything i need to know that's why i've been brave and picked up the phone but you might tell me that the answer to everything i'm about to ask you is on your website Mm. Most reasonable people are going to say, well, "No, that's not the case at all." Um, there's also probably in your world, like the recruitment world, a lot of websites that look exactly the same, and a lot of businesses that look exactly the same. So there's probably something in that as well. Of I do, what I don't want to do is assume just because you work in X industry that someone else that works in X industry is exactly the same and tie you with the same brush. I think that's fair. Yeah, so that's why I'm mm. asking these questions. So, it's just reinforcing why that is. But, yeah, it's a total, like, waste of time. If I was, if I, if I, say I have 10 minutes ten minutes research with every single person that I call, 10 minutes over the course of my week is, that's a lot of conversation time. And just in our line of work, we probably wouldn't have the success that we've had if I was doing that. I'm with yeah. you, Sometimes, some and I think when I pushed you on that point, you didn't have that many examples when that's happened in your world. So, I don't think it happens that much. but our negative bias we always remember like oh but the one time i didn't he really exposed me
0: yeah that's and that was like,
2: six what... years ago and i still
1: feel that was six around. years ago <laughs> <Bloody> <laughs> sounded like it was yesterday i thought it was last baby. week christ <laughs> no, no no no
0: the, the one the, the one time prior sorry the this happened a couple of weeks ago but before that i was thinking about it because i mm. I actually messaged jack and i was like "This just happened to me mate um how would you deal with this and then i really thought about it and i was like if this only happens to me tw- two times in six years, like that's all right, I can deal with
1: that's, that. They're nice odds. Um,
0: but then, I, like you said, I was gonna say it then, but the time that you spend on on doing research before a cold call, you know, I've worked with recruiters before um, who, they'll spend five, 10 minutes per call and they'll go to voicemail, get kicked off by a gatekeeper, speak to them. It's like, how many people have you got hold of today? And they're like, oh, um, like none in the last two hours. How many calls have you made it's not that many calls it's because you're doing five ten minutes research do you think it's like the people who advocate it it's almost paralysis analysis like they're doing it Mm. so they don't have to pick up the phone basically definitely people
2: procrastinate all day if
1: you let them or they convince themselves that that's that's the the way that it should be done we were literally it's really interesting that you said that we were literally talking about this this morning in in, in my buzz meeting in the training session we heard it on a call somebody said well what what do you know about me but there, there's going to be the one the percent that is a dick that just needs their ego stroking really nobody cares but they're just they're, they're curious at that point and you just switch it around I, if I was asking your question you might you might give it a bit of a softener say listen David um, can I ask a bit of a silly question? Yeah. Apart from, and then that says like, I know that what I'm asking you, you might tell me it's all on your website, but I wanna hear it from your mouth, okay? Mm. Like, I, I wanna know. So it's like giving it, can can I sound like an idiot for a minute? Apart from good CVs, uh, I'm sure there's a million things, but what, what do you say that you offer? I need to hear it from you rather than a, a website or anything like that. It's like, we're hearing this conversation. It's not about my assumptions about what you see and the way the way your world works mm. i think it's it's that kind of thing but i would i would just say that that guy was a total twat agreed agree.
0: agreed um that's interesting actually yeah those, those slight small changes just reframes the whole the whole sentence and gives it like a a completely different tone doesn't it so yeah, it's, uh, hard 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 to
2: ask an question. obvious question yeah Exactly. Pre- preempting questions, this is going to sound silly, this is going to sound the most obvious question ever. This is going to it really just get someone on board with whatever you have to say. Like when mm. we, we ask, we ask a question, but what, what could often happen is when someone gives you a problem, what they really give you is a symptom of a problem. I find the recruitment process quite manual. That's not a problem, that's the symptom of a problem. Okay, and then I would follow that up and say, you know what, This is going to sound like the most obvious question you've ever been asked. How do you know that's a problem? Oh, because it takes too much time out of the day. Okay, again, it's really obvious, why is that bad? Well, because I don't get to go home enough, I've just had a baby, and I want to be home in time to bath them. Right, okay, now we're at the problem. That's the language that we use when we go to that level of depth. We only get there by asking those really obvious questions, and if I didn't preface that, someone would go, come on, mate, you an idiot. Like, like this starts sounding quite jarring.
1: I did I think- um I did some training with um an insurance company last week and the everyone everything's got a trigger. So if something happened, somebody's applied I know that insurance is a bit of a different world, but it's a, a speciality insurance where it's still quite problem solving rather than you go compare. And and the first question is like well, what made you get in contact? And that, that's probably a few different angles of well, you were a referral or I'm trying to solve this problem, blah blah blah. And I was speaking to them about it, they were like but i just feel like when i say why why have you got in contact with us because it was all inbound and warm everyone's just going to say i need insurance which which is a, a fair point okay yeah you need insurance okay so when you say listen david it, i've got to ask bit of a silly question but what, what was it that made you get in touch today they're not going to say oh i'm i need insurance you will get the one percent which is what, what we're talking about what, what you're probably going to get is somebody what what we really understand is why are you here what problem we trying to solve and it'd be a bit basic to say okay what what problem are you trying to solve and why are you here so it's like if you can give a softener like that and then lead into the conversation a silly question what made you get in touch today and then Mm. they'll open up and like zach saying well what do you mean can you give me an example how do you know that And and then you take them down that that chart
2: yeah yeah what do you mean is the best sales question in the world it's not the really ridiculous intellectual stuff it's um, when you say this, what, what did you what did you mean? What does that mean? And just being like the scratch in your head. I don't know what anything you say means. Really, really explain it to me. I'm five years old. Explain it to me.
0: I've seen this a lot in the recruitment world, both as like a, a coach and trainer, but also, you know, just sitting in on meetings and stuff. One thing um, I used to see quite a lot in tech recruitment is essentially ego taking over with recruiters. They don't want to look like they don't know Something and they'll, you know, so, so i give an example. Um, uh, I was on a meeting and this he- head of engineering or something was talking about a specific niche technology, and the recruiter I was with completely blagged that he knew what the guy was talking about, a programming language or something, right? I come out of the meeting, and I was like, I was like, I didn't know you, you knew about that, and he's like, nah, I just made stuff up, mate. Um, but I actually, um, I know a guy who won like quite a big account, at a recruitment company I worked with and he won it purely because he said, what do you mean? And it was because the guy was like, I think they were like vetting agencies and they were going to pick one of the six or something, right. To be their exclusive supplier, something like that. And what he would do, the guy would, he'd make up a programming language and he'd be like, yeah, yeah, yes, what we really need is like this. X whatever developer and not all the recruiters apart from him said yeah yeah no we've we've filled those before you know that sort of thing yeah um but he was the one who went oh, i've never heard of that i've know what you're talking about can you tell me more about that because i yeah i look stupid but um and he worked with him because he was like you're the only one who actually was honest so no. how is, it, like is there any way you can like it goes back to mindset but how do you how do you get over that like ego driven need to sound like you know what you're talking
1: about there's a quote isn't there And i, I like quotes because they're kind of like the the uno cards that you can play in the moment where like yeah. oh right okay i feel like this let me play this but it's, it's um ask a question you might look like an idiot for five minutes don't ask the question you look like an idiot for the whole of your life something like that inverted commas and all that, but it's the same, the, 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 the logic applies, but be curious. That's what you typically find in a sales company is somebody comes in and, and it could be a, an amalgamation of things like they're motivated. It's their first job, but the first three months they smash it because they don't have all this product knowledge and all these features and benefits ringing around. So they're just like, what do you mean? I'm, I'm genuinely trying to solve a problem. And I'm listening more because I don't want to talk much more because I don't actually know anything to talk about. But then what happens over time is you go, well, yeah, yeah, I'm going to put you in this office because I know that's that's the best office everyone always chooses that. but You've not actually listened and it gets heavy, but be curious, be curious throughout. Like the best salespeople are the ones that are curious. Yeah.
2: Exactly. I think any self-improvement or sales improvement comes from self-awareness. And if you're self-aware, you're very aware of the role that your ego plays. People who are aware of mm. their ego aren't also egotistical at the same time. It's usually the people you spot who have that problem are completely unaware of themselves. And often this is this game of, of sales is a it's like a reflective exercise. How much of this suffering is purely in my imagination compared to the actual reality of it? Someone picks up the phone to you, you tell them it's a cold call, and they say, oh, fuck off, and hang up on you. Was that to you, or did the cat get run over on the way into work today, or have they mm. just found out that their wife's having an affair? Or You've got to quickly think to yourself, when have I behaved like that in my life? Because no one wakes up just wanting to, to be like that. And equally, going back to I made a point before about this authenticity detector, like people know when they're being blagged. So, if you're there trying to persuade and push and push your agenda, people will just react and even even if it doesn't feel like they do in the moment, that oh, it was a great demo, it was a great presentation, and they've gone away and they're going to think about it, you'll never hear from them again. Because you because hmm. you, you got in your own way, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's a lot to that, but like, is there anything that can be done on it? it it's it. You have to do that journey yourself. I think we we will have the chat. We've got a young sales team. We'll have that chat with them, and I'm very aware that it won't come for a few years, and I won't be the one to teach it them. they will find that out by life.
0: Yeah, interesting. Um, I think to wrap this up, it'd be really good to just understand from each of you what's the first things, like, I don't know, the first three or four things that you teach someone who's new to sales? So they're just getting into to prospect and they don't know anything about it. Where do you feel like, what's the first, like, three or four things that you teach them to give them uh, the foundation fundamentals?
2: Yeah. Uh, one of the, I'll take, I'll take the first one, Jack, and then we'll, we'll bat it over to you. One of the first things, when we actually do this in the interview, is we try and find out, how naturally they sort of questioning, problem-solving, empathetic brain works. So I'd say to you, David, let's imagine me and you are friends, we've met in the pub, and I tell you that I think I'm going to leave my wife. What's the first question you'd ask me? What's right. the first question you'd ask me?
0: Um,
2: why? why are you leaving your wife? Right, exactly. And then we'll go down that path, right? And then it's looking for how they explore that. But some people, when I say that to them, and I frame it exactly like that, they give me a lecture on why I shouldn't leave my wife and start to assume problems and give me ways that they might fix it. The best people do what you did and say, why, okay, have you tried this? Why, that sounds really frustrating. And I'm trying to show that that is the exact same as when a prospect gives you a problem, you take it on that exact same journey. So that's the first thing that we teach, and that's from the interview that we do that.
1: Jack? Mm -hmm. I'd, I'd say then the the second part is probably the psychology it feels like a i won't say lecture because lecture has connotations to being boring but it's really understanding the human brain the chimp paradox all of these wonderful things and if we it, there's no point just saying here's a pattern interrupt go and use it if you don't know what what you're trying to engage with them so obviously with the chimp brain the reason we use a, a pattern interrupt and the ones that we use is the majority of the pattern interrupts we use depending on clients are permission based and things like that and there's humor and there's honesty and there's room to say no so we have to give them a bit of a psychology lesson for them to understand these are all the different biases that you have and the prospect has these is how they this is how they might appear in conversation so it's like let's take it back to basics we're all human and this is why we react the way that we react
2: yeah. Is that the yeah. right one, Zach? That was the right one, and I think <laughs> do I think number three. I think, three? <laughs> I think the, the next one I'd give you is, and um, I think this blows people's minds. But you can't persuade anyone of anything. The way our brains are wired, you can't be persuaded. If I just approach you on the way to the car and start trying to persuade you to do something, and I don't know you. You'll almost actively be repulsed by me and not want to do the total opposite of what I'm telling you to do. Our brains are just not wired for persuasion. But if you think your job actually in sales is to just get someone to think, I just want you to think deeply. That's my only role here. And what happens when you think deeply, you attach an emotion, And then when you attach an emotion, you tend to act. And people might think, well, how do I know someone's thinking deeply? You know it because it's when people pause and think before the answer, or they start going, ooh, that's a good question. It's time to think a little bit more about it. And that's when the emotion's starting to be attached. So, and it takes, a, that, that bit takes a while. Because in our world people want to talk about well I've got this client I want to tell the prospect how great their product is and start pitching their product to them when you start pitching a product we've got the stats on our system to prove it as soon as you do that pitch about what a product is and what it does the response is send me an email or call me back or I've already got something like that no one ever goes you're a what a cloud-based CRA? oh my god let me get my diary out quick that never ever happens so you can't persuade anyone of anything and then do you want to give a number four jack to round it up
1: i'd probably say that once you've kind of got the fundamentals then you can start really understanding like the pitch and you can start having a conversation i think the big one is pace if you feel like you're going at a normal pace slow down the majority of new people especially when they get onto the phones at some point very early on they've got to go they can't spend three months preparing for the for cold calling it used to be half an afternoon and then we kind of spread it out over a few <laughs> days now uh but you've got you've got to jump in the the, the deep end we're big fans of the Sandler book you can't teach your kids to ride a bike at a seminar and that's for a reason of like you have to learn on the job and like you have to fall off and get a couple of bruises but when you're going into those calls, your adrenaline's gonna be pumping. You're probably gonna speak a lot faster than you should be to pace. Let's read through this script or this structure, but let's do it in a nice, slow manner.
0: Yeah, I, I, I really like that one as well um, because that's the main problem I had. I, I used to get so nervous before calls. I would speak so much. I would speak too often um, and also I wouldn't listen really to what the person was saying because I was constantly thinking about how I could respond, like what's the next thing I could say. Um, and I had a CEO tell me to fuck off because he was telling me his company was failing and he's having to make everyone redundant. And i was like oh okay oh okay so so do you have a psl then or like what agencies do you work and he's like mate i'm telling you my business is failing here and i was like yeah i know but should we have a meeting so (laughs) it was just that was a big turning point for me um but no boys it's um it's been an absolute pleasure it's all really insightful and i've learned a lot as well so hopefully others people will um if people want to work with you how do they find you where should they connect with you
1: you gotta track us down if you want to work with us. We're very busy. You'd have to walk the streets. you the of Manchester with a Manchester or Bournemouth with a, a bin bag. And if you can get one of us in the bag, we'll work with you. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, check out our website. Uh, we're on LinkedIn, Zach Thompson, Jack Frimston. we have a com, all that good stuff.
0: Awesome. Anything from you, Zach? Or
2: no, that's where you find us. Too expensive, no guarantees, wouldn't bother.
0: Awesome. (laughs) Love it. Last one, boys. Appreciate it.
2: Cheers. Thank you.